morning, Scarlet City. Thank you so much for joining us for our digital worship gathering. Our vision at Scarlet City Church is to be a people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. And if you're new or uh, you're still checking things out around here, thank you so much for joining us. We would love to hear from you. There's a spot on our website on the visit page that says Get Connected. That'll take you to a quick form that you can fill out. It comes directly to me, and I would love to hear from you and get to know you a little bit better. A couple of announcements before we jump in this morning. Firstly, next week on October 4th, after the outdoor worship gathering, we're going to be having a Safe Families info meeting. Safe Families is a national organization that comes alongside families in crisis and equips the local church to do so. Uh, Scarlet City partners with Safe Families, and we love this organization. So if you would like to learn more about it or maybe learn about ways that you can get involved, please come to that. There uh, is a link uh, on the YouTube uh, version of this video that would take you right to the sign-up page. So you can RSVP there. And like I said, we would love to see you there. The weekend after that, on October 11th, we're going to be having child dedications. And this is a great opportunity for families and the church to commit together to raising the child in the gospel. So if that's something that your family is interested in either learning more about or signing up for, uh, please email me. My name is Janelle, and my email is janelle at scarletcitychurch.org, and I'd love to get you more information on that. And then lastly, on October 11th, we are going to be changing the times of our worship gatherings. Right now, the outdoor in-person worship gathering is at 9 a.m., and the digital gatherings are at 10.30. On October 11th, we're going to flip-flop those, and uh, we're going to have the outdoor one start at 10.30, which will hopefully, uh, it'll be a little bit warmer outside, so um, we won't be quite as cold in the morning. And the digital one will start at 9 o'clock. So mark your calendars for October 11th, and please join us either digitally at 9 o'clock on that Sunday or at 10.30 in person. Well, friends, for our invitation to worship this morning, we are going to be looking at 1 Timothy, verse 6, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Friends, God is the greatest gift that, that we have, and our relationship with him is the only thing that we get to take when we leave this earth. And so while we are on this earth, we want to seek to be fulfilled and content in him. So this morning as we worship, I want to invite us to do just that. Let's focus our eyes on the Lord and come before him in thankfulness. Let's sing together.
City. My name is Anna Roth and I have been going to Scarlet City for two years now and I love being a part of this church family so I'm pumped to be here with you this morning. Every week we get to pray for something going on in our city, in our country, or in our world and today we're going to be praying for students with developmental disabilities also known as students with special needs. I currently work at the Down Syndrome Association of Central Ohio and while we serve 23 counties across Ohio. Our offices are right here in Clintonville, not too far from Scarlet City's campus. And right now I'm in the mess with parents with this whole distance learning situation. And many are surprising me with their resilience and their attitudes, but I'm also talking to many who are tired, who are worried about their own child's growth and who are feeling like they're falling short. So we're gonna be lifting them up today as well as their kiddo who has um, a developmental disability. And so namely, I, I see a lot of students who are not getting the friendships that they typically get in a normal school year since they um, don't always connect with their friends as they do um, outside of school as their typical peers do. So we're also gonna be lifting them up today together, um, which I'm excited about since it's so close to my heart. So let us pray. 
Um, Father, thank you that um, you are the God over everything. God, that you care about each of us uniquely in every season and all seasons. I pray that specifically you would be with our parents of children with disabilities, that you would be strengthening both them and their family. God, I pray that you would provide hope, whether that is encouragement or whether that is practical help in the home, um, that it wouldn't just feel like it's falling on them. God, I pray that there would be moments of fun and small victories that keep them going. And Father, I also lift up our friends and loved ones with disabilities who may be feeling more isolated during the season. God, I pray for just one friend who would come alongside our friends and remind them what's true about them, that they are cared about and known and loved and remembered. So Father, we love you and we trust you with this um, as we do with all things in this crazy and weird season, God, that you are near to us. And so thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, we are also continuing our series in Philippians, and we'll be hearing from Mike as he teaches from Philippians 4, 10 through 23. Um, so I'll be reading out of the NET version. And it starts in verse 10 saying, I have great joy in the Lord because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. Now I know you were concerned before, but had no opportunity to do anything. I am not saying this because I am in need for I've learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment whether I go satisfied or hungry or have plenty or have nothing. I'm able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. And as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonia, on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. I do not say this because I am seeking a gift. Rather, I seek the credit that abounds to your account. For I have received everything and I have plenty. I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. And my God will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. May glory be given to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give greetings to all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers with me here send greetings. All the saints greet you, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're watching this. My name is Mike Judea. I'm one of the pastors here at Scarlet City Church, where we believe that we are people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. If you're visiting with us on our digital worship gathering, I want to especially say thank you. We'd love to connect with you. If you would go to our website and follow the connect tabs and share some of your contact information, we would love to get to know you a little bit better and learn about what brought you to visit with us today. Well, when we think about the word contentment, what do you think of? Maybe even consider saying it out loud, content or I am content. For me, when I think of the word contentment, I first go to food and eating. Contentment is that magical middle ground between no longer hungry and uncomfortably full. 
It's that right in the middle of being satisfied. And there are some times when I hit it, sometimes when I don't reach it, sometimes when I go past it. But if we're honest with ourselves, contentment in life is a lot more elusive to find. It's a lot more elusive to practice. It's a lot more elusive to live in. This morning, we're looking at the last verses of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Remember, when we look at these letters, they are entire letters. So even though we're just reading these last uh, verses, it's in the scope of the whole letter that Paul wrote to the church, uh, to the Philippians. And so this morning, uh, or afternoon or evening, we're going to be looking at specifically what Paul means when he says contentment and what he means in the scope of his whole letter and of his ministry. Uh, But what we see specifically in these verses is Paul, he's thanking the Philippians for their generosity. He's expressing joy, uh, gratitude that they have given generously to him and his mission. And this ties into the first section of Philippians, when Paul thanks the Philippians for their participation in his gospel ministry. And he's doing the same thing here. He's thanking them for their participation. But inside of this this thank you that Paul gives to the Philippians, he has these few verses that talk about contentment. He says, I have the secret, I have learned the secret of being content. And that should really perk up our ears when it says, I've learned the secret. And what we see in Paul's writing is firstly that contentment is not found, contentment is learned. Contentment is not found, it's learned. And so uh, that is what we're going to focus on today is how do we learn contentment? How do we learn contentment? Knowing that contentment is not, is not found, but it's learned. When Paul says he learned contentment, it's the same type of language that uh, an initiate would use uh, joining a group or joining a, a religious uh, community, that there is a time of learning, of participating, of positioning your lives in such a way to live in that reality. So when Paul says, I learn contentment, he's saying that I have lived this I have experienced this. I wish that contentment was something that I could just say, here is the secret, and it's one thing, and all you have to do is believe it, and you will be content. And that's just not the truth. The truth is that contentment is learned. So we're going to look at three specific things that Paul says in his letter to the Philippians about contentment and how to live in contentment. First of all, we see that contentment is learned by depending on another. Contentment is learned by depending on another. During the time that Paul wrote this, the Stoics, uh, like Socrates was a Stoic, they had the utmost respect and regard for contentment. They thought it was the essence of maturity. And they believed that contentment was ultimately found within. That if we could just have the right perspective that if we could live a certain way, that no matter what happened, we would be content because that power and that strength is within us, the ability to perceive life in a specific way. 
So when Paul talks about contentment in these verses, this wouldn't be a foreign concept to them. But this is what Paul says, which flips their understanding of contentment on its head. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this just might be the most abused verse in all of Western civilization. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it's important to remember what comes before, where Paul says, I learned the secret of contentment. What is the secret? It's depending on Christ. It's depending on Christ. But this isn't the only place that he talks about dependence on Christ and in living with Christ in mind. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 22, at the beginning of the letter, Paul says, living is Christ and dying is gain. He's telling us, he's showing us that his life is dependent on another, on Christ. When I think about dependence, I think about one of the great joys in my life is being a father. And I have three kids uh, who I think are beautiful and I love them. And going to bed is a thing. Uh, You don't have to be a parent to know that going to bed with kids is a, a process. And my kids are dependent on certain aspects, uh, certain things from my wife, Emma, and I. One of those things is with my daughters, we do something called a squeeze hug, and they squeeze me as tight as they can. And then I say, whoa, like, you're so strong. Like, this is, oh, my goodness, you're getting so strong. And they laugh and they giggle. And they cannot go to bed without this. They are entirely dependent on this relationship of this acting out of a relationship of of this uh, love and this affection. And they need it. The gospel, it invites us to live in this reality. It invites us to live as who we are meant to be. Nobody would look at my daughters and say, that's weak, that's embarrassing for you, because they are children. And they live best the way they're supposed to function is in that dependence on a parental figure, that love and that affection. And the truth is, is we are created that way as well. We're created to be dependent beings. We're created to be dependent on each other in community, but also dependent on a heavenly father, a perfect being. And our culture, our society often says that, uh, that contentment and independence are synonymous. That to be truly content is to not need anybody To be content means to not be dependent on circumstances, but then people get thrown into that circumstance. Depending on anyone gets thrown into that circumstance. And Paul, he says that in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things, not through my power, but through Christ who strengthens me. So for us, that's really the invitation to, to view ourselves as dependent beings. God does not want us to live in isolation. He does not want us to live completely independent of each other and completely independent of Him. He wants us to live in that dependence. He made us to live in that dependence, looking at ourselves as who we rightly are. Even Jesus in His earthly ministry, which is the greatest example of us of how to live, He lived dependent on the Father. God in flesh, perfectly God, fully man, 
fully God, lived in dependence. Contentment is learned over time by depending on another. Secondly, contentment is learned by knowing your calling. Oftentimes, contentment, uh, we can think, is, is being indifferent or being laid back as, as a laid back person. Uh, I can kind of have this mentality of like, if I just don't care anymore, if I'm just uh, coasting with life, it kind of looks like contentment. It looks like uh, maturity, but really it's just not caring. And this is not what Paul is inviting us to. Paul, when he says, I've learned the secret of contentment, he was confident in who he was and what he was meant to do. His calling was to advance the gospel. We see in chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, this is what Paul says. This is when he's in prison, by the way. He says, my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The whole imperial guard and everyone else knows that I am in prison for the sake of Christ. See, his calling was to advance the gospel. And because he was confident in who he was and his calling, it didn't matter his circumstances. He was content because he was able to live in that calling. He was able to know and act accordingly and be content no matter his circumstances. Now, when I think about calling, in my faith journey, calling has been a dirty word. It has been something that I have been prone to, but also seen abused. Thinking of when somebody who is in a faith community talks about their calling, at worst case scenario, they are trying to use God language to convince you to agree with them doing whatever they want. Uh, to make an easy example, I can say I'm called to play with LeBron James in the, in the Los Angeles Lakers. That doesn't mean that that's right, but a lot of us function this way. We think about what we really want and then we say, oh man, that must be a calling. So I'm going to tell everyone and they have to kind of yield to my calling, which is from God. But really, when we think about the word calling, when we think what it means to be a Christian, someone following Christ, that is our calling. A calling is to think, it is to speak, it is to act, and it is to live entirely to God's glory. This is our calling. So how has God called you? How has he called you? Consider who you are. Consider your desires and your hopes. Consider your situation and capacity. The Bible says that the body of Christ is a diverse group, dependent on one another for each of our skills and competencies and gifts. What is your calling? Where is God calling you to live? How is God calling you to live? And I want to specifically mention this, that calling is not synonymous with a ministry role. Calling is not synonymous with a ministry role. Calling is how do we live? How do we function? How do we operate in our neighborhoods? How do we live in our work? Yes, it does dictate to some degree where we work, but it is more deep than that. It is how we function and how we live. Our calling is to live, is to think, speak, and act to the glory of God. 
And it is when we are the most confident in our calling, the most confident in who we are as individuals and who we are as God's children that we can learn contentment, living in this over and over and over again in our lives. So contentment is learned from depending on another. Contentment is learned by knowing our calling. And then lastly, contentment is learned by acknowledging discontentment. Let me say that again. Contentment is learned by acknowledging discontentment. A lot of us can think that contentment just means resigning to your situation. I'm content. You know, that's kind of like the bare minimum. But that is not what Paul is saying here. Contentment and holy ambition, they go hand in hand. They are partners. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, 12 through 14, Paul says, uh, and, and Pastor Jacob preached on it just a couple weeks ago, Paul says that he strives with single-minded focus. He strives with single-minded focus. And what does he strive for? In chapter 3, verse 10, he says, to know Christ, to know Him. So there's this, this tension that Paul says, I'm content here being faithful to my calling. I'm content depending on Christ. But just a few verses earlier, he says, but I haven't fully achieved it. And I'm striving and I'm pushing and I'm working hard towards that end because he notices he's discontent with what is keeping him from Christ. This is the tension that we live in. This is the tension that we learned to function in. And it's not just avoiding what makes us discontent and saying, oh, I'm totally cool, I'm content. No, it means admitting, man, I am not satisfied. I am not satisfied with the way things are. I am not satisfied with my relationship with God. I am not satisfied with how things are going. When we look at Paul's ministry, his uh, preaching the gospel message, the gospel message, it it is radically countercultural. It is radically multi-ethnic. It is radically self-sacrificing. It is radically just. It radically defends the marginalized and oppressed. All of these things are things that address what should make us discontent in life. It should make us admit that things are not the way that they should be. The gospel message that is Christ, God's son, he has destroyed the fear of death by defeating death and giving us freedom and life. This is, it's an acknowledgement that things are not as they are meant to be. The fact that Jesus destroyed death said that death did have control over us. The gospel that we're invited to the gospel uh, tells us that we, we should be discontent with life apart from God. It tells us that something was not as it was meant to be. Now, there are two types of people in life. There's people that say the glass is half full and people that say the glass is half empty. But that's not what the gospel invites us into. We're not invited just to be glass half full people. We're also not invited just to be glass half empty people. Well, the gospel invites us to fully acknowledge both, to be able to look and see what we have in Christ, to depend on him, to be assured of our calling, to be able to admit that there are things that the glass is half full. When we acknowledge uh, our discontentment, it can be really hard because it's painful to admit those things. 
And so sometimes our our desire is to be glass half full people, to be silver lining people, to avoid the pain, to avoid the hardship. And that was a lot of what Pastor Jay talked about last week. That peace that is offered to us in the gospel is not the absence of pain. It is not the absence of conflict. We're invited to acknowledge that the glass is both half full and half empty. So this means for us as as people living in the reality of the gospel that when we see injustice, we fight for justice. This means that if we see oppression, we defend the oppressed. It means that if we see the destructive sin in our lives, we live and we act and think to reorient our aim back to glorifying God. Contentment and holy ambition go hand in hand. Contentment is not just resigning to the way that things are. Contentment, it actually gives us the ability to fight. It gives us the ability to press forward. God, he was also discontent. He was discontent in recognizing our separation from him. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing, as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God, he he fought for us. God fought for us in his stability, in that uh, beautiful dependence inside of the Trinity. He acknowledged that the life that we are living was not the life that was meant for us. Jesus being faithful to his calling, he died for us, destroying the power of death in our world. And the Holy Spirit, God with us, God in us, he exhorts us, he admonishes us, and he encourages us to acknowledge what is not right in our world and what is not right in our lives. And not only that, he gives us the strength to live to the glory of God. When you say contentment, what do you hear? What do you think? Paul here, he offers this invitation. He's learned the secret of contentment. And the invitation for us is the same. To live in such a way to learn the secret of contentment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you have not left us to our own measures. We thank you for the conviction and the discontentment that we feel, and we pray that you would give us the power and the strength to act. If it is uh, destroying the sin in our lives, if it's living more sacrificially, or if it's acting for the oppressed and marginalized, give us the strength and the eyes to see in this world and in our lives the way Things are working that is not so, is not meant to be. Give us a deeper sense of stability as we depend on you. Remind us of who we are as children, your children, depending on you for every need. 
And we pray all of this in the name of your Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. through
As we go from here today, let us remember that we can depend on a God who cares that we are completely satisfied and secure in him and that we can trust him completely with all of our needs because he is the only one who knows and understands them completely. So here's this benediction from John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. Go in peace.